0: Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. I just want to start with one story before I jump in about how important it is for us to understand worship. I, I shared uh, in January, and I'll just briefly share it again, how I kind of had this moment where God really challenged me about my level of worship in my life. and. Um, Uh, i was actually um i have this there's a church in the city that allows me to go to their prayer room and they have this really nice prayer room and and so you just kind of sign in and the pastor there says yeah anytime and so i go there sometimes and so i was in the prayer room and i was praying and i had my big list of all the things you know at least in my mind that i needed to carry It was almost like a business meeting with god you know i got these burdens of the church and stuff and i just got to go to god and i got to pray and and the lord spoke to me in that moment you know and and God speaking to us sometimes is just like an impression inside our spirit and we just like hear him challenge us. And he said to me, you've become really quiet. And I thought, well, what do you mean? He goes, in worship. You're, you're Like you're inward. You, you used to sing. You, you used to be spontaneous. You used to come before me and be effusive. And now you're just kind of this brooding inward person that, you know, gives me all the heavy stuff. But it's not like you enjoy your time with me anymore. Like, this is what he told me. It's like, oh, I never, never saw it that way, right? All of a sudden, I'm thinking, well, Lord, I'm being serious about you. Like, I'm being focused. Like, this is important stuff. And he goes, yeah, but what's more important than hanging out with me and enjoying me and worshiping? And I decided, oh, that's right. So I started in that moment to worship again and to sing. And it was like I was so dry. And and as I started to worship and as I started to come before the Lord, I, I felt the rain come into my life again. I shared this in January, but I just wanted to share it again. Because what we what we do, and, and, and I, I want to show you and, and talk about here how worship is, is for God primarily. Obviously, it's of Him. That's what worship is. But when we worship, there are blessings and benefits He pours out on us. And it waters our lives. And so if, if this part of our life is deficient or lacking or we we're really running very empty and i just encourage you today that as we look at some of these things um god's going to encourage you and give you a way to move forward so let's look at the model what it would be important if we're going to consider model the worship to look at where the ultimate model is where where's the ultimate example of worship and you know where it is it's in heaven (laughs) seriously and i want to look at that for a minute and i am hoping you know there were some pictures i tried to find online that people had painted to try to explain the images here. And I realized as I looked at them, I thought, oh, I could put that on the PowerPoint. I thought, well, it's just, that, that doesn't even do it justice. Like there's no way you could find a picture to explain what, what, what the Bible says. So as I read these scriptures to you, I want you to try in your mind to picture what heaven might look like, what, what, what's happening. Because here, here's the exciting reality. Right now in heaven, there is worship going on. There is a beautiful, glorious uh, scene happening like right now. And so we're here, and there's heaven, and worship is what connects us to heaven. Now, when we worship, I'll show you that. So look, Revelation 4, look at this. This is John the Apostle, and he has, he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he's exiled there, and he has this vision that God gives him. And, and, and let's just read this. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. Wouldn't that be wild to to have this vision and see the door open to heaven? And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet. The voice said, come up here and I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like Jasper and Carnelian and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Amazing. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. Oh man. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. Like this is an amazing picture. There's 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 these elders that are throwing their crowns down in worship. There's there's, you know, flashes of, of lightning and rumble and thunder and, I mean, amazing. Let's go on to Revelation 5. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands of millions of angels around the throne. I like that, thousands and millions. It's just like uncountable. And of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature, this is unbelievable, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. Can you imagine every creature? What would that sound like? Um, They sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then Revelation 19. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. I don't know about you, but that's an exciting picture. I mean, you you take those three passages together of Paul's revelation or John's revelation. And it gives you this glorious picture, this awe-inspiring picture of heaven and worship, and people around the throne, angels and people, and the elders throwing their crowns down, and the el- you know we could talk all about who they are and everything. But the bottom line is it's a glorious scene of worship. It, it's, it's glorious, it's powerful, and it, 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 obviously in heaven. Um, I think the reality there is that God and all His splendor is before them. So I think you just can't help yourself but worship. You know, you, you're you're in before Him, and this is glorious, and you're just you're just abandoned. And uh, but here here's the good news on this. So that's in heaven. It's a powerful picture of worship. But God wants that to be our experience on earth. Now I know you say, well, yeah, but it won't be like that. Yeah, no, it can't be exactly like that, obviously. But He wants us. To have that kind of worship of him, that kind of experience on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6 tells us part of the Lord's prayer is that we would pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God, let my worship as it were on earth be like it is in heaven. As much as possible, God, let me somehow connect with what is going on in heaven. It's powerful stuff. I remember when I was younger, especially you know, sometimes when you're younger in the faith, and you're new in your faith in in God, or just even young in age, you're a little more abandoned, you're a little less encumbered, you get more, you get older, you get more professional, more together, right? But I was like 17, 18, you know, 19, I just would, when I was still in high school, I'd go to my basement after school, and I would like worship and pray for like, at least a couple hours every day, I just was hungry for God. And I remember dancing before God and worshiping. And sometimes I would have the sense, it was like I was dancing with angels. I don't know if you've ever had that. But it was almost like I had this sense that, you know what? Like, I, I bet I'm not alone here. I think they're kind of coming to join me because they see I'm having fun and they're going to have fun too. And I don't know if you've ever had that. But I, I think there's there's not as big a barrier between us and the spirit realm as we think. You know, it's happening all around us. And God just says, I want you to be part of it. I don't want you just to be in this cerebral kind of Christianity where it's just up here and, and there's no experience. I think one of the lies that the devil's tried to do sometimes in, in the church is to get us away from some of the experiential things and just get into our thinking and into our mind. And, you know, it's all about uh, we don't want to be into you know, anything that would be feeling or experiencing. Hey, listen, you look at the Bible uh, it's all about experiencing. I mean, you you read there the the experience in heaven. Do you think you're going to feel a few things in heaven? Do you think you're you're going to be uh, in awe in heaven? Absolutely. So your faith here on earth is meant to go more than just just that. That it's meant to be exciting. It's meant to have joy. It's meant to be real, and that's for the worship too, beyond just perfunctory. It's meant to be real. You know, in Hebrews, it tells us just lastly on this is that. Uh, when, when the tabernacle was built in the Old Testament, they were told to build it according to the pattern that was in heaven. And so when Moses, uh, you know, then they designed that tabernacle, God gave them the design because it was meant to be built to model what was in heaven. And so if you think of that principle, when you think of our worship, our worship on earth is meant to model what's in heaven. It, it's, it's meant to be connected, Right. And that's an exciting thing. So I want to show you today. Jump right in here. Let's look very practically at some ways we can worship. And like I said, some of this is just review. But I'm hoping that it might stir something in us. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like me. Like worship has grown cold in your life. You're, you're like where I've been. And, and it's gotten stale and it's become work. And it's not. And God says, look, today I want to breathe on you. And I want to remind you of some things. And I want your worship again to become effusive, to become real. And I want you to connect with heaven. So let's look, first of all, at standing. So it says in 2 Chronicles 20, Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. <laughs> so they stood to praise the Lord, and standing is a way of honor. Look at Revelation again. Let's go back to heaven. After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the lamb they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar wow i gotta imagine what the great roar was salvation comes from our god who sits on the throne and from the lamb so standing you know sometimes again we can just on a sunday morning right you know the worship team's up here and please stand well you could stay seated we and we tell you that often you know like uh, if you come in and you could you could stay seated but when, why we stand is it's not for the band we stand for god when we stand up it's actually a part of our worship and it's mirroring what they do in heaven and it seems like in heaven they don't sit down <laughs> you know you you read this i mean they're 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 before the throne they're standing um and um and they're worshiping so why are some reasons that we stand? Well. First of all, uh, in response, in awe to God's presence and his deeds. I like Psalm 33. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. And so one of the things I'd encourage you to do is when you come into worship, and, uh, and I think one of the things for us, and, and I'm going to talk on Sunday mornings, I'm going to talk about corporate worship here, but, but this is just for hopefully in our own private times, right? Because to be honest, if Sunday's our only time of worship, it's probably deficient. I'll be honest about myself. Like if that's the only time I worship, that's not really a lot, right? So, so in my life, where can I find the time? Where can I, when I, where can I go to the next level? So I encourage you when, when you come to worship on Sundays, is actually prepare your heart. You know, because this is an opportunity here. That was great worship this morning. Thank you, team, by the way. That was wonderful. Great songs and it was powerful and just could sense the Lord. But let's come prepared. And even when we stand, one of the things we can do is to think about how great God is in our hearts. Lord, this morning I may come in with problems, I may come in with issues in my life, but this is about you right now. I want to worship you, I want to honor you, I want to make you big, as it were, in my heart and life. And so, Father, right now I just meditate as I start on how great you are, how awesome you are. And as I stand right now, I'm standing to honor you because you are amazing, you are awesome. In your way. Psalm 65 says this. Those who live at the ends of the earth. Stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets. You inspire shouts of joy. <laughs> so when we stand. It is, it is actually a sign of awe and wonder. We're saying God. You, you are amazing. And I stand to honor you. And then we can stand to thank and praise. Look at First Chronicles 23. Each morning and evening they stood before the Lord. To sing songs of thanks and praise to him so they stood and they worshiped him with thanks and praise you ever had god challenge you to stop grumbling and start thanking yeah i i sure did in the winter (laughs) i'll be honest i'm i'm praising a little more for the weather now but it's pretty easy to do that but i was having some tough go there i don't know if anybody else was and so he kind of was challenging me as i'd grumble out to my car every day and you know get the snow off and and it's like, you know, you should be thanking. You should be praising, right? Sometimes it's easier to praise than other times. But when we, when we praise God and thank and we honor him and we actually bring release and breakthrough, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Nehemiah 9, the leaders of the Levites called out to the people, stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. And then they said, may your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. So standing. Just even the act of standing is a worshipful act. It's powerful. Secondly, clapping. Clapping. You know, sometimes we could again think, and, you know, if you go to a concert or something, generally you clap. You clap for a couple of reasons. You clap for rhythm because, you know, you're just like, you know, going along with the tune and it's fun. You want to clap. Or you could be clapping appreciation. Yay, good job. That was a great song, right? So there's a couple of ways you could be cl- clapping. When we clap, actually, in worship, it actually can be warfare. This is very interesting. So, so we, we, could, we could think of it just cursory, like, oh, it's just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of clapping along. But, but honestly, it can be warfare. Let me show you. Psalm 47 says this. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. How many people have some things that you want to see subdued under your feet? Anybody at all other than me? Yeah, right? There's some things we need subdued under our feet. There's some problems. There's some issues. And, uh, and it's warfare. You know, there's seasons, isn't there, where you feel it more? You, have, you, have you gone through that? where, where The warfare, it, it can be internal. It can be internal and external. There's stuff going on. There's, you're just like, wow, this is intense, right? Did anybody realize we're in a battle, in a war? You realize if you're a believer, you're in a war? Like, like, don't be surprised. I mean, if you read what Paul says about the difficulties, sometimes we're surprised. And even Paul tells them, don't be surprised at these tough things you're going through. Like, it shouldn't be happening. You're at war. Now, here's the good news. God gives us weapons for that warfare. One of them is this, clapping. Amazing. It's a sign of triumph. It actually comes from the word, applause comes from the word in Latin, meaning beating of wings. That's where it comes from. And it means expressing approval and celebrating success. Now, when we use this in, in worship, it can be a war cry. I don't know about you. I've been in services before where God started moving through, through the worship. And uh, we started clapping. And there was like an energy behind that. There was like uh, the spirit of God was stirring us to clap and to praise because something was happening in our spirit. So we can't underestimate. So on a Sunday, when you clap, again, maybe keep that in mind. Or even in your house, if you start, you say, am I going to clap alone in my house? Why not? Because it's not, it's not for you, right? Remember? We, we know this, right? Worship isn't for us. See, and this is where the disconnect sometimes comes when we go to church. Uh, how was the worship? I didn't really like the worship today. Well, okay, but how did God like it? Do you think he liked it? Because really, that's kind of what it's about, right? Well, I didn't like their worship do you hear what i'm saying because we get that way oh it didn't do much for me did it do anything for god because that's kind of what we were trying to do right you got what i'm saying then we have to switch it around a little bit we get consumeristic yeah i like that church their worship was really good ah their worship's not so good how's your worship right like i think the issue might be with you now i i've been in i've been in honestly i've been in worship times before and sometimes, you know, we got a full band here. Like, today, that was awesome, wasn't it? All the different instruments and everything. But sometimes we've had, like, two instruments, you know, because people are weighing stuff. So is it like you go in, oh, it's a two-instrument Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be very good. Right? Like, is that the mindset we should have, you know? I mean, how's God up there? Is he going, he only had two instruments. I felt very unhonored. Right? Now, I think God would probably look at it like, you had two instruments, but man, everybody was just worshiping and their hearts were open. And God's like, oh, that smells so good. Oh, I received that. You know what I mean? Or it might be a full band and it's all about them and it's all about the church and God goes, I'm not really sensing much from this. I don't think it's for me. I think it's for them. Do you know what I'm saying? So often it's just our heart. I I mean, I've gone to services that, that, you know, maybe weren't the. The greatest never here but in other places <laughs> but they, they weren't as they were maybe the strongest but you know what i received something in worship and i was affected why because my heart was looking to to reach out to god it was about me i was taking advantage of the op- opportunity and not sitting there judging oh that guy's off you know or whatever so we have to be really really careful we have to be really careful you know if you want to learn about worship go to africa <laughs> i'm serious i've been to africa and man those people know how to worship And do they have the greatest equipment no not at all but man they're they're singing they're dancing you know they 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 got it they got the rhythm so um i, I lost my train there i kind of went off a little bit anyway my point is it's about god and it's not about us so clapping number three lifting our hands lifting our hands first timothy 2 8 in every place of worship i want men to pray with holy hands Lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Lifting our hands. Why do we lift our hands? Well, let's look at it here. We lift our hands as a response to God. Look at Psalm 63. I just love reading the word today. Let the word sink in because this is powerful stuff. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Wow, this is a powerful passage. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you. I will lift up my hands. Lifting up our hands is a response to God. It, it's, it's us saying, God, I, I love you. God, I honor you. I, I'm just, it's almost like I'm reaching out to you, God. If, I, if you were right there, I want to embrace you. I love you, God. I honor you. It's a response to him. Psalm 141, it's also an offering. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. I like that. It's like an offering, God. I'm offering myself up to you. I'm lifting my hands up to you as an offering. Now, let me just say this. You ever been in, in a time in your life where you really felt like doing that, right? Like, like I I could do this all day. Like, I'm so excited. I want to just honor and worship God. Have you ever been in a time where maybe not so much? It was like work. It's like, there's weights on those hands. Like, I don't really feel like it today. I don't really feel like putting my hands up. I'm having a grumpy week. I don't really want to worship today, right? Can I just say something? That's probably when you should be the most, right? <laughs> because when we lift up our hands, it's like a sacrifice, it's, it's devotion. And again, it's for God, not for us. So it's like when I'm standing here and I'm going through a hard time, but I choose to push through that hard time by saying, God, I don't feel like worshiping right now. I'm hurting, but you're bigger. And whether I feel good or bad, you are worthy of my worship. Like you are who you are. So, Lord, I lift my hands right now. And, I, and it's like an offering to you, God take this you know the, the thing about it is this I, I don't fully understand why god likes what he likes you know I, my wife talked about us last week in her message how we all have love languages right and so i have love languages my wife has different love languages and so for example she loves acts of service so like if i you know fix the toilet or clean the toilet like that's amazing right it is. A, it, it would be. It would be like a miracle for a guy like me to figure out how to do that. <laughs> he knows me well. <laughs> I think it's the same for you, actually, bro. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, but but you know, but for me, it's. It seems easier. Like words. I love words. Words speak to me, right? So my wife could say all these nice words, and I'd feel incredibly loved. And uh, so for me, sometimes you know, I think. <laughs> Man, why couldn't it be words? You know what I mean? I I can be eloquent. Words are my thing, right? But no, fix the toilet. Okay, it's a little harder, but I'll do this out of love. My point is we try to fit our love to the language of the person we're trying to love, right? And that's the same with God. And that's what Val was talking about last week. We need to fit what he wants. If he says, hey, when you lift your hands, that really honors me. I mean, I love that. When you sing, I really love that. When you dance, I really love that. Well, then maybe we want to do what he wants us, you know, like, God, if you really like that, then I want to do more that pleases you, right? So that's what we're looking at. We lift our hands as an offering. And then lastly, we can lift it in desperation. Sometimes when we're worshiping, we might just feel desperate, like, God, I need you, God. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to God like that. Psalm 143 says, I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirst for rain. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. The picture is in desperation, we're surrendering to God, like, God, I'm yours. I need you, God. I long for you, God. My soul cries out for you, God. Father, come. Fill my heart. Come. I need you in my life. Nothing wrong with that. That's biblical desperation. So sometimes we need to do that. So lifting our hands. Using musical instruments is another form of worship. So, for example, we, we sometimes don't think about this, though, because we, we live in the band era, right? And so we, you know, we go to concerts. And sometimes, to be honest, worship can become that way in churches. It can become like a concert. And that's why people don't, people don't generally respond at concerts. They, they're, they're spectators. You know, they might stand there like this for a while. Now if they get really excited and involved, they might start clapping or even raising their hands in concerts, right? So excited, but but they're spectating more than anything. See, we're not spectating when we come here to participate in worship. We are active participants, right? That's the idea. Like this is not a band up here. These people are worshiping with their instruments. They're not here for us, actually. I mean, yes. I'm glad they're here for us because <laughs> like, it makes it easier for us to sing and worship. But honestly, they could be playing their instruments on their own, and they'd be worshiping God. God would go, oh, I love I love that. I love what was happening on the keys. And Chris on the drums today, that was great, how he worshiped me by playing the drums. And Mike on the guitar um, and uh, Eric on the guitar. That was powerful today. Like, God, when they play... It's not just, it's not for us. It's actually for him. And and God is honored in worship. Musical instruments. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Aren't you glad we don't have ram's horns, though? That'd be something, eh, if we went into. Yeah, our church has original worship. We have all the things in the Bible. It'd be very interesting, wouldn't it? Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals, loud clanging cymbals. Shh. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. Look at Revelation 14, back to heaven again. How does it sound in heaven? I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. don't know what that sound? That'd be an amazing sound. would not it? Many harpists playing together. So instruments. If you have an instrument at home and you pull it out and start playing it, you can be just worshiping God even if you're not singing with your words, right? That's worship. And God likes that. And so we need to understand, you know, as as this transpires. And that's why, again, even if people make mistakes and they're not perfect with their instruments, you know, they're honoring the Lord. And they're worshiping. And we need to see that. Okay, dancing. Dancing. Now, when I say dancing, you might have a whole bunch of different pictures, right, of what that looks like. but But here's what it says. Psalm 149, verse 3. Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. And so we look at dancing in the Bible, I mean, it's, dancing was, you know, there was dancing with other people, but, but really it's before the Lord and it's, it's just really honoring him and worshiping him. It started with Miriam when they, when they went through the Red Sea and Israelites came out of slavery. How many people think you might be a little excited about that when the Red Sea splits open and you leave? the Egyptians, and they get buried, and you're on the other side. I mean, I think I might be a little exuberant that day. So, so Miriam led them in a dance. I mean, they were dancing and celebrating and showing their worship to God. David is one of the greatest examples, King David, of dancing. And the story of him in uh, 2 Samuel was when he was leaping and dancing before the Lord. And if you look at the words that describes David dancing, it was like crazy. Like it would be offensive. Like, if he was down here doing it, it, it would be a lot. And then he disrobed. <laughs> wow. And then he said this, I will be yet more vile. Like, in other words, I'll go to even, I'll do whatever, God. And the picture I have of David dancing is that with his body, he was somehow trying, he had such a revelation of God's love. And, and of course, they're bringing the ark back. And, and he's so excited about God and experiencing the presence of God that he just, he, he can't, he can't express it adequately with his body. It's like he's trying to figure out, how could I show you that I really love you? And, and so he's, he's dancing wildly. And you know, Michael, his wife, was looking out at him. And she judged him. She's like, you look like an idiot, right? She, she judged him. He probably did, to be honest. But she's like, you look like an idiot. Now, she, she challenges him when he, he sees her. And uh, he said, you know, that basically tells her this wasn't for you or anyone else. This was for the Lord, and I will do even more than this because he's worthy. And it says that she was barren from that day on. And there's a picture there of how we can be in this. Let me just say this. Um, you know, sometimes we can get judgmental of other people when they worship. Maybe they're a little effusive for us. Maybe they're a little beyond what we would think, and we, we kind of judge them or we look down on it. We need to be careful with that. We need to be careful how we limit what God wants to do through people in worship. And, and let me just say this. If that's our attitude, maybe we need to look at our hearts and say, why, why am I so tight when it comes to worship? Why, why am I so conservative? You know, I mean, is there, is, am I just kind of locked up? Am I, do I not realize how this means to God? Because here's the thing I believe about worship. It's not actually personality-driven. It's not like, well, you know, I'm a very inward person. So I don't worship like that. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see all this, you know, here you are, except if you're a real introvert, don't worry about any of this. I don't see that in the Bible. Do you read that there? I don't think that's the case. I, I think God says, hey, I, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, or some other vert, I want you, I want you to, to use these things. I, I can help you come out of yourself. And again, you don't have to do this around people. You could do this in your house, on your own. Maybe that's the best place to become uninhibited, is on your own, where God is the one. He's the audience. He's there with you. But just pushing beyond what you're used to. Because this is in the Bible, folks. This is all through the Bible. So David danced. He twirled. He was very expressive. And, uh, you know, um, it's a little awkward here. We have, like, a sloped floor. So dancing and stuff can be a bit awkward here. But honestly, I mean... I, I've i broken out at times in dance, and listen, don't feel un- inhibited to do that. If God stirs you and you want to do that, go ahead. Um, we don't want to be a place that shuts that down. I mean, again, we want to be a place of real worship where we're we're genuine and not just religious. You, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, everything should be decently in an order, right? Start disrobing and dancing. We'll probably come talk to you. But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to follow the biblical account, pastor. Okay, well. But I'm serious. We, we need to be open. And then number six, lastly, the, first, the final one, I'm just giving you kind of a survey here, is singing a new song. Revelation 14, this great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. Psalm 33, sing a new song of praise to him, play skillfully on the harp, and sing with joy. Now, what is a new song? Uh, some people call it the song of the Lord. You know what we used to do at a church, Val and I grew up in? We were part of the worship team, and so what we'd do is we would sit around, and our pastor who played guitar, he would play guitar, and he'd kind of get in a a chord progression. Then he'd say, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to sing the song of the Lord. So he'd go around the circle, and we would just all start coming in with a song that God gave us, and we would start singing it. And we just grew up doing that. It was just normal to us. And we would sing songs of the Lord in the service. And Val and I, that's a big part of what we've done. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward. I was thinking in encounters, we need to practice more of that, right? We need more new songs. What's a new song? A new song is a spontaneous song that God gives us that we sing out. You know, Addison is really good at new songs. If you hear him during the worship, right? So during the worship, we're we're singing our regular song, and then there's kind of an in-between part, and he starts singing other words. You heard him sing that? That is a new song, right? Now, when he does that, if you're here in the service, you can start doing that yourself. Start adding in your own words of what you want to sing to God. You, you can just start using what's happening up here to start singing your own words. Or you could even sing in tongues. You know, we, we believe in this church and the gifts of the Spirit and that God gives us prayer language. And we can speak in tongues as he enables us, and it's a way to communicate with him and pray. Well, you could start singing in tongues just on your own to yourself, and, uh, and that's a new song that you, that, that's brand new to you. You say, yeah, but I don't sound very good. You know, I, don't, I think God is tone deaf, to be honest. He doesn't He doesn't care. Like, seriously. And, and listen, if it's at home that you sing and it's just you and God, I mean, he really doesn't care. You could be off and shattering glass and he wouldn't care. He'd be, be honored. Well, thank you for, you know, giving up your, you know, plate glass window there. I appreciate how you get to repair that, but thank you for worshiping me, right? I mean, God doesn't care. Sing a new song. It's powerful. New words, new melodies. I've I've been in services where... A new song has been released. I remember one time I was in Bible school, and there was a guy named Mike Heron, and um, this is in Portland, Oregon. And he was great at this. And I remember one time spontaneously, he sat at the piano. He could play the piano amazingly. And he sang a song about Samson and about, you know, giving the church one more chance, how Samson was crying out to God to give him one more chance to defeat his enemies, right? And how the church, it was like he related to the church crying out to God, one more time, God. Come in power, and this was all spontaneous. And he's singing this song, and you're like, "How is he doing this? Did he not write this? He didn't write it. It was given by God. And he—anybody ever been in those places where God gave a song? And it was brand new. And it was fresh. It's exciting stuff. And I want to encourage you to to push out into it. And maybe maybe you're somebody that you'd say, "Well, that would never happen to me." Well, yeah, maybe try though. Maybe maybe start worshiping in your house. Maybe maybe start singing. And using your voice that way, seriously. Some of you, I know some of you are going, no, that won't be me. Yeah, it could be you if you're willing, right? Like, because cause let's warm up for heaven. Like seriously, guys. I mean, we we gotta we gotta kind of catch up here. I mean, in heaven, I don't know. There might be some remedial classes for people in heaven. I don't I don't know how they're gonna do. It. I mean, it could be a little bit of a culture shock. Like, oh, you think of everything that was just described, and you come from a place where you never worship and you never engage. It could be shocking. So. I'm just trying to help you. Do you understand? I'm trying to prepare you for your future. Um, engage. Here's a here's a story. I want to finish with a story. Um, a couple thoughts here about worship and singing a new song and how worship can bring breakthrough. And before I go to the story, I want to give you some examples from the Bible. Paul and Silas. Uh, think of them. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the the story of them in prison, but <clears throat> they're beat. It's in Philippi. They're beaten. And they're put into prison in stocks. They're bleeding. And, uh, I, you know, honestly, we've been in some rough spots, all of us. But these guys in a, in a Philippian prison, uh, beaten, bleeding at night in the, the terrible surroundings. I, I, I can't even imagine it. And it says around midnight, they started worshiping and praising God. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, just think of it. These guys are in bad shape. It's dark in there. There's a whole bunch of other prisoners listening. They're all in agony. It's a terrible place. And all of a sudden, these two men start worshiping God in the worst imaginable imaginable environment. And the Bible says an earthquake came. All the doors opened. Nobody escaped. And the Philippian jailer and his family all got saved. It's an amazing story. Now, it came out of their worship. It came out of them worshiping God in the worst environment. It should be a picture for us, right? Even in our worst times, we don't feel like it. We don't want to. But when we push in and we say, God, I'm going to choose to honor you in this tough place, God is empowered to move. It's like he He, He is released to move in our midst. I want to give you a story. It's it's uh, by Jack Hayford. Anybody remember who he is? A great, great leader in the States. Used to lead the four-square denomination in the U.S. And uh, he has a story, and here's the story. Uh, he, one Sunday he came to church. He starts the article by talking about, this little girl meets him as he, he comes to church one Sunday. And and she says she wanted to sing him. And he says he's a really busy man and he was heading into the service. But he wanted she had a song for him. So he listened to her song from this beautiful little girl. And she sang this new song that God had given her. And he said, oh, thank you for sharing that. He was so blessed. And, and then he proceeds to tell the story uh, regarding this couple in his church. So one Sunday he was up. And he was uh, preaching a message called the conceiving and bearing of life. So he was talking about how, um, you know, when we worship God, there is God comes and he gives us life and he releases blessing in our lives. And he takes away the barrenness of our life when we worship him. But then as he was preaching this message, he felt like the Holy Spirit told him that that there was a couple there specifically, even though he wasn't talking about this, that they couldn't have a child. They couldn't. You know, they couldn't have a child and that God was telling them that if they would begin to worship him and just really press in and worship that 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 he was going to give them a child. He was going to give them that child they longed for. And so he told them this, this is exactly he say said. he said begin to fill your house with song. And as you do the life giving power of that song will establish a new atmosphere and make way for the conception that you have desired. So he, he just prophetically told these people that. Didn't know who it was. And he actually didn't ask for anyone to respond. He just kind of put it out there and forgot about it. And a year later, this, uh, this couple, Mike and Sherry, came to him. And they were presenting their baby girl for dedication. And they said to him, you know, we want to talk to you for a few minutes because of the dedication coming up. And there's something that you need to know. And here's what, he, here's what they told him. They said, we were in the service that Sunday when you spoke that. And so we've we just, we'd been trying, I think it was for, for nine years or something like that. They were trying to have a child, and they couldn't have a child. And they, they took the word that was spoken. See, sometimes you got to hear this. When God speaks something like that, and it's like revelation, and it's like a prophetic word, it's powerful. We grab a hold of it. It can change our lives. So they said, okay, God, we're going to do this. So they went home that day. This is what they said. And they began to do what the Holy Spirit instructed them they began to fill their house with song. They would walk hand in hand into each room and simply sing praises and worship to the Lord. They did that all the time. They just started walking through their house, singing worship and praises to the Lord. And as they did this, she got pregnant, and the baby that, they were, that, that he was dedicating was as a result of that because they had worshiped the Lord. And actually, just to finish out the story that he started that article with, that little girl, this is later on, that little girl that came up to him and sang him the song that was the little girl, the result of that. Now, it's a powerful story. And I tell you that because, to conclude, because everything I've just talked about, all the different ways we can worship with our body physically and worship the Lord, we just need to understand how powerful it is. And, And if you're here and... You know, obviously, worship is for God first. It's to honor him. He's worthy, just like in heaven. He is worthy to be worshiped for eternity. But when you and I do worship, it changes things. So I encourage you. I don't know what your situation is here today, but start worshiping. Start praising. Start thanking. Start singing new songs. And let that enter in. Don't let the devil keep you quiet. He wants you to be quiet. He wants you to be cerebral. He wants you to be inward. Start worshiping. And I think we're going to see breakthroughs in our lives and in this church. And not only that, I think we're just going to enjoy God more. I like that idea, right? Because when we worship here on earth and we connect in that way, we are connecting with heaven. We are like aligning ourselves with what is happening there. And we're preparing the way so when we enter it, we won't be totally shocked, which I like, right? Let's bring heaven to earth. Let's worship. So we can stand, we can clap, we can lift our hands, we can use musical instruments, we can dance, and we can sing a new song. And there's other things we could talk about, like bowing down, lying prostrate on the floor, kneeling. These are all ways we can worship. But today, why don't we worship now by standing together? Let's pray. Let's just close our eyes. We close and let's pray this morning. And I want to encourage you today to take the next step in your worship. So that just pause for a moment and just just briefly consider what I've said. And then ask the Lord, Lord, what's the next step for me? What are you telling me about worship? Where where should I go? What, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to start at home worshiping at different times? Is there, is there something else you want me to add in that I haven't been doing or just? What is it you, you're calling out to me today? What do you want me to do? Because listen, it's not about me um, saying you should do this or that. In fact, I'm not doing that. But it's, it's about him. And ultimately, we're about him. So just ask him right now, what is the next step for me? What are you saying to me today, God? Help me. I want to worship you. I want to honor you. So just pause for a moment. Consider that. Father, I pray for each person as we close that you would show them what the next step is for them. What it is you want, and Lord, even give them a hope this morning for for more, for more. Lord, this isn't meant to be isolated to just a few. God, you want to bring release in all our lives. What's the next step? What do you want us to do? Pray, and show each person, and then just while we consider. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.